Why, hello there. Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I am your host, Adam Meredith. We have an excellent, excellent episode for you today. I sit down with a motherfucking OG. Uh, Before I get to my guests, I want to welcome all the new listeners. I appreciate you guys being here. I'm just sitting down with interesting humans trying to gain some perspective, and you guys are along for the ride. As always, I love all of my repeat listeners. I would like to ask you guys, if you could do me a solid, if you are getting some value out of this show, bring a friend. Bring us just one friend. Help us grow this thing. I cannot thank you enough for doing that. As always, uh, this episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Jombo Superfoods. You can go to jombocbd.com. Check out their full line of products. They have topicals and sprays and drops. Uh, They just released a new CBD olive oil, which is the shit. Oh, my God. So good. Go check them out, man. You'll save 20% off of the entire order when you use the code outside at checkout. Also, throw two in your cart. They'll give you that third one for free. You can't beat it. It's such a good deal. It's a win-win. You're getting amazing products. Everything they everything that they sell is tested by a third-party laboratory, so you know you're not getting any of the junk, none of the fillers, only premium, high-quality ingredients, which is important. The things you put in your body and on your body matter. So don't settle for low quality bullshit get the best go to jombocbd.com and again save 20 percent when you use the code outside at checkout my guest today guys holy mackerel i'm pretty much just working my way through a lot of the ogs in the in the area for uh for MMA and Jiu Jitsu in particular, less MMA, but Jiu Jitsu. And today is no exception. I sit down with the one and only Brian Gidry, black belt in Jiu Jitsu under Rodrigo Vagi, also the owner of North Broadway Jiu Jitsu. Man, Brian has been in the game for for quite some time. He started training with Rodrigo in 98. I don't want to give away his whole story, but I just want to let you guys know how long this guy's been around, man, and just, you know, doing the damn thing. Uh, One of the original core group under Rodrigo. And, uh, man, he is a – he won Worlds. He's a world champion. He won Worlds in 2010 in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, you know, he's done judo, he's fought MMA, he was a college wrestler, you know, did amateur boxing, just, just a savage of a, of a competitor and an amazing human, a great coach, runs one of the best gyms in the city, absolutely, and, uh, man, we had a good time, you know, took the time out of his day, sat down, shared some of the stories with me, his philosophy, and, uh, man, I really, really enjoyed it, so I know you guys will as well, so without any further ado, do, ladies and gentlemen, let's gain some perspective with Brian Gidry. Mr. Gidry. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Dude, I'm so glad we were able to do this. I am too. I've had, so obviously I had Rodrigo on 
Yes. Had Mike on, Tracy. And every time I talk to somebody, they're like, dude, you need to sit down with Brian. For sure. Like, you absolutely need to do it. And then at uh, EJ's wedding, yes. like at, we were just sitting there because there was like 10 hours between. Right. <laughs> Those are the best weddings, right? Yeah, between the wedding and the reception. And then, like, dude, you were going into some of the best stories. I don't remember. That's okay. Most <laughs> Let's rehash them. Well, here's the thing. Can we rehash them? Yeah, the definitely. <laughs> because, I would love to. Because some of those stories, I don't know. Okay. Are, are they camera ready? <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot the stories. Maybe I made them up. Oh, maybe. But either way, dude. Yeah. Point is, dude, you've been in the game for a while, man. Yes, I mean, you're one of the forever. original core of you know, 90s, from 98. You know, Vagi came here in 96. Yeah. And so when I showed up, Todd Fox was there, Howe was there, Mike was there, Steve Berger was there. They were blue belts. Okay. And they just beat me silly. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh meat. Yeah, man. How did you, how did you even, like... How did jujitsu even come into the picture for you at that? You know what I mean? Because the yellow pages. Okay, because there's, there's no internet. There's no internet. No. There's no YouTube. I was doing judo, which I started back in the '80s before like, I was junior high. Okay. Judo and wrestling, and then when I came back to St. Louis in '98, I wanted to continue doing judo. Okay. And where I, were you? I was in St. Louis. I moved. I moved to Iowa City for a year. I was working up there for Monsanto okay. after I graduated from college. Okay. Came back to St. Louis. And then uh, wanted to continue doing judo. And then at that time, remember in 94, we found out about Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Before then, nobody even knew it existed. Right. It wasn't even a thing. It wasn't even a thing. I'd never even heard of it. Yeah. So this is only four years after the U.S. had been introduced to jiu-jitsu. So right. I flipped open the yellow pages. And does anyone in St. Louis do jiu-jitsu? Yeah. And this is through the UFC, right? I mean. Yeah, the UFC. That's how we all found out about it, right? We right. got the blockbuster videotape, popped it in, and saw Hoist beat up on everybody. Hoist beat everybody's yeah, ass. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you um so you've been in traditional martial arts yes. for a very long time. Yes. But you didn't take that like that route of where a lot of guys do they'll do like Apkido, karate or yes. they won't do like you went straight to judo. I just started judo because my a friend of my father's was a black belt and so he took me to his studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you still do judo now? No, I incorporated into class, yeah. but I don't study under anybody. Yeah. 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 Wrestling probably helped with that, didn't it? Definitely. I mean, just like Definitely. the understanding of how to like like manipulate the hips and control somebody by their hips and the throws and the leverage? I actually started wrestling and judo about the same time when I was like 12, 13. Okay. So I started them both at the same time. So they absolutely helped one another. Yeah. Yeah. They played hand in hand. Absolutely. So what were those early days like? I mean, like walk me through. So Talking about the 80s or the 90s? Um, so jujitsu in, yeah. the, in the 90s. In the 90s. Well, okay. I mean, when you started, you know, with Vagi back then, remember he came from Brazil and he was one of the best. Remember, he t I think he got his black belt the same day with Salo Ibero, and Salo went on to be you know multiple time black belt world champion. Yeah. Rodrigo was his teammate, and they were neck and neck. So when Rodrigo got here, he was legit one of the best black belts in the world. One hundred percent. So he's tuning up me, Mike Rogers, Steve Berger, Todd Fox, and Howe every day. So you're getting tuned up by one of the best in the world. You don't even realize what he gave you. We we got so good so quick. Yeah. Nobody even knew what they had, but mm -hmm. he gave us so much skill. We would just go and slaughter people whenever we would compete. Yeah. We would just kill them. We, did, we didn't even think it was a challenge because he got us so good so quick. Yeah, you're so used to going with the best. Oh, yeah. That's the quickest way to get better. It is. Is just get beat up. That's it. Just train with the best. And you don't even know what you got. Yeah, man. Yeah. You see that all the time in, in any sport. I can think of it like back in the wrestling 
whenever I was in high school, like me and my training partner, we were legitimately the, the two best on the team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was any coincidence we were training partners. Of course. You know Where did I mean? you wrestle? Uh, I went to Jeff City High. Oh, nice. Yeah. They were always tough. Yeah, we had a pretty good program. Yeah. Um, I don't think they – the program itself, I think they won state once, like back in the 90s. Right. But we've I always remember. had like solid wrestlers. They we were always were, good. Yeah, really strong. And Elias was always good. Yeah, Elias always – I think Elias had an even better wrestling program. They were program. good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Where did you wrestle at? Parkway South. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How was – like, do you ever uh, – you ever like think back to like how bad you were at wrestling then? Oh man, I, we, I just I remember thinking about man, I I want to quit. You know, it's so practice is so hard. Yeah, you know, practices were killer. I know, and then now you probably train way harder than you ever did then. Sometimes, or at least yeah. there was a period where you did. Yeah, anyway. definitely. Like in your mind, back then you thought it was harder, but yes, now we probably train much harder. Right. But in your mind, you thought it was much worse back then because yeah. you weren't used to it. Well, yeah, I mean, because. Uh, yeah, you did how many fights did you do eight you did eight fights eight fights and were those what were the like it wasn't structured the same now because like now it's like three three minute rounds we didn't weigh in yeah what was what I were weighed those, in twice what were those days like weighed in twice okay <laughs> and so and then you would sit there before the before the fights, all the fighters would be in a back room, and they'd go fight by fight. Okay, um, Adam and Brian, you guys are fighting. How many rounds do you guys want to go? And so we were the Voggy guys, so we always wanted to go longer, right? Because we were in great shape. Yeah. So we'd want, oh, we want five rounds, or we want seven rounds. You know, and then you'd agree to the rounds. All right there on the spot. Yeah, and, the, and then before you even fought, it was, any, like, you didn't weigh in usually. I weighed in twice. You'd be like, well, Adam's going to come in. He's going to be about 185. Brian, you're going to come in. You're going to be about, you know, 175. So whatever. Remember, back then, remember when it started, because there were no weights, and in the late 90s, they just started implementing weight classes. Now, we know today that fighting no weight class doesn't work. But back then, if you said, oh, well, we, we're going to fight in this weight class, you were kind of like being a punk. Like, yeah. you didn't think that you could fight anybody. Right. Like, back then, we thought, oh, you just got to fight to fight anybody. Yeah. So, if you're asking to be in a weight class, well, you must be afraid. You must be. You must be. Yeah, because otherwise, wouldn't you Why fight would you, anybody? You would, yeah, you wouldn't fight anybody. Yeah. You want know, you want a set number of rounds. Well, what, are you afraid to fight till the end? Right. Vagi had us fight every day until somebody would tap. Yeah. And legitimately, you know, like I said, all those guys, Berger, Fox, Rogers, how they were all ahead of me. But, um, you know, I, I started to climb that mountain. There was a time, I think in a year, uh, 99 or whatever, me and Berger, not, not even joking, we fought for three hours. <laughs> we fought for three hours. Just you guys in the gym. Arrigo turned the lights off and left. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm done with you guys. Because whoever got the first tap, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. You guys are so far, like, bullheaded. Like, no oh, one, yeah. No we one's hate, tapping. No. We, we, that's why we got so good also, because we're all that same weight class, right around the same weight. We hated to lose to each other. Yeah. Yeah. There's a group of savages. For sure. Yeah. I mean, you've said his name a couple of times, but Todd. Todd, like, man. He was, my, he was my best training partner. Dude, I've, just heard, I've heard some amazing stories about yes, Todd. Just, he was amazing. He's very unassuming from right. my understanding. Just yeah. like crazy pressure. Right. Good pressure. Great. Amazing guard. Amazing submissions. You'd always snap him on so quick. Yeah. He would armbar me so much when I started. Both my arms would just fall asleep in the middle of the day, and I'd be like, I can't move my arms. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like after that very first day of training, like what you felt like and what you were thinking? Yes, because I walked in and I had told Rodrigo that I did judo. And so that was like a problem for him. <laughs> He's like, all right, buddy. Yeah, so he put he put 
Rogers on me first oh. for 15 minutes, and then Fox, and then Household, 45 minutes of just a beating. Yeah, like Shark Tank. Yeah, and he was like trying to kick me out of there. He didn't want me, like, he's like, oh, this judo guy, kick his ass and just get him out of here. Run you off. Run me off. And I'm like, I love it. He wasn't as nice back in those days. No, he barely spoke English. <laughs> like, literally, remember, there was no YouTube, there was no internet. And he would talk about the, the, the guar. I'm like, man, what is it, the guar? The, I thought it was like G W A R. He's talking about the guard. Oh, the guard. What is the guar? What the guar. What is the guar? And Just you shake your head and smile. I couldn't ask anyone. I felt stupid. <laughs> so for months, I'm trying to figure out what is the guar. <laughs> so you you had no idea what the guar was for no. you. No. What is the guar? This, it's just this thing. I guess it's something he's talking about, and I don't. I feel dumb asking. Yeah. So it wasn't like a it wasn't like an environment to where like it was like a teaching environment to where you're like, well, you're really like I said, slowing down and explaining. He didn't have great English, so yeah. yeah, it was hard to sometimes stop and be like, "Hey, what did you say?" Yeah. He just would show you. You show. And, you know, it's okay to learn that way, too. But yeah. sometimes you could use some verbal. He's mellowed out a lot. Completely. <laughs> He's like Completely. a whole human being. Completely different. Holy cow. So who was uh, who was the best back? Not besides Rodrigo. Out of, out well, of that? Mike. Mike would crush us all. Yeah. I mean, that was just no question. So it was <laughs> – I remember the conversation specifically. Rodrigo was – buddy, Mike is not the goal. Everyone's trying to beat Mike. <laughs> Mike is not the goal. Like, well, we all want to beat him. None of us can beat him. <laughs> so what was interesting about us is we all had a unique style. Like Fox was the super technician. Berger was this guy who just you would have to kill him to, to make him tap. Still to this day. Yeah. And I brought in a style from you know wrestling and judo to blend into the jujitsu. So we all had a unique style. And Hal just had this guillotine. He just ripped everybody's head off. Yeah. So we all had a unique style, and we all got each other a lot better. Right. Quick. Yeah, that's – I mean, there's a lot of different perspectives there. For sure. You know what I mean? I know For Mike sure. had the wrestling background. Yes. I think Berger was just a tough Just a fighter. tough guy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Mike, Mike was a great wrestler. Mike became a great <laughs> boxer. Mike had all the skills, and he was just bigger than all of us, so he would crush us. Way bigger. But Rodrigo used to do these matches where – he would take, we would do like five on three or all these weird matches, you know, like, and so he would put, he would put, you know, Rogers on one team and, and whoever, like he would give instruction to us. And so like he would give instruction to the small guys and be like, all right, take out Rogers and the whole team's going to fold up because there's the big guy. And once the big guy goes down. Yeah. So we would take out Rogers and he was right. You know, so he'd give us a strategy. School. Yeah. Just to, and so we'd have these five on four fights or Six on four. You can always make these weird numbers that, you know, just try to make us beat each other up. Yeah, it's like that old school, like, uh, schoolyard mentality, right? You take out the big Take out one. the big guy and everyone else is going to fold. Yeah. yeah. So was that like a dual style? Is that how he did it? Like, well, I mean, it was, you oh, said no, like, like five whole, versus like three. Like the whole, whole group just go Royal at Royal Rumble? It. Yeah. <laughs> just going at it. <laughs> it was fun, man. That is funny. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, man. So how, during that time... I mean, you guys were finding, you know, competitions, but there, I mean, there weren't, there was no Naga. There was no, there wasn't a competition in St. Louis for, till 2007. Yeah, so how are you, how are you finding these places to compete? The like, only place we would, we, I remember we would go to Kansas City occasionally to compete. Some guy would have some matches in a basement somewhere, and then we would have to typically fly to California to find a competition to uh, do the IBJJF or Joe Marrera Invitational or occasionally go to Florida. So there was really... There was really no competition in the area, so it was just us. We were just fighting each other all the time. Yeah. And let's say we would take a weekend and we drive to 
uh, Kansas City and have a competition. We're like, well, these guys sucked. We'd rather we'd have a better match just going home and training with each other. So we're like, why are we going to these silly tournaments? Yeah. So it you know it became yeah it, it's hard to get the competition unless like we would go to California or go somewhere else to yeah fight some widget schools. I remember feeling like that even you know ten years ago whenever I started at Mike's mm-hmm. when like the big the big uh, circuit in town was Naga. Yes. And they're coming around and they'd only come around maybe once a year. If you're right. lucky, they come in twice, but right. it was ultimately like you could pay a hundred bucks or however much it was and probably face another Voggy guy or right. two, or right. I could just do an in-house tournament. Yeah, why don't you just stay home and spar with the guys? And so it, it had that feeling of why am I going to this competition? Now there's some really good tournaments. I think like the tournament we had this past weekend, Fuji, there's a lot of good tournaments now. Yeah, yeah, Fuji runs a pretty good circuit. Really good. Yeah, AGF is good. The Submission Challenge I like. Yeah, so what do you feel about, uh, like, the emergence of all these, like, submission-only circuits? I think it's it's great. I just It gives you a different mentality. Anytime you have a different rule set, there's just a different mentality. Yeah. You know, the different skills that you can bring in. Yeah, I think I was was talking to Huff, and I think he was saying, like, maybe he read something, but I think statistically he was saying even with, like – the 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 point system ones compared to the submission only there's still more finishes in the point system is that right that's what he was saying okay. i haven't looked it up myself yeah but I that could that was, be i thought that was kind of interesting it could be i think he was saying like because if you you know the person gets the two points and right. now you're you're down and the clock's running and then now you really you have you're forced to open up right. to do something right, and then right. as you know when somebody opens up you can usually capitalize on some sort of mistake out of desperation yes that makes sense yeah, but I hadn't really compared it like that. He he could be right. Yeah, yeah, but I personally really like the submission only. It's it, I mean, it seems like that's what jujitsu is. Right. So why not play to the submission? Why not do that? Yeah, if you can. Yeah. Did you guys do much nogi back then? We did, um, and we would we would typically split the class. Rodrigo would split the class where you would spar like half the time with the gi, half the time without the gi. Okay. That was very typical. Yeah, you don't really see a whole lot of a uh, of a nogi culture. In the Midwest, I've I've found like it's really big on the coasts for sure. Um, even a little bit south in Texas, they have a pretty big no gi scene. But like here in the Midwest, we're very gi driven. That could be. I I haven't really followed it that closely, but yeah, I know there's a lot of of Tenth Planet schools on the coast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, damn, what was I gonna say to you, Brian? You got all the time you want. I don't know, man. Sometimes I just like <laughs> I just I got these questions. I got these yeah. questions, and sometimes I lose the train of thought with that uh, yeah. with the gi and the no gi. Um, well, you know, know, we the guys would, uh, you know, when I started the Voggies, yeah, they had the they had the MMA fights, and and uh, so they would fight over in Illinois. You know, Berger was fighting, Fox was fighting, Rogers was fighting. So they we would have to train no gi to get ready for those fights. Yeah. So that, so yes. It kind of just played into MMA. Yeah, you had to, you had to get ready. Yeah. By playing without the gi. Yeah. I know sure. I was going to ask you. Um, yeah. Was Arnold big at that time? The Arnolds? Because I know they used to have, like they have a jiu-jitsu tournament yes. there now. I think it was, I think it became popular 2003, 2002-ish. Thing. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so every year that would be kind of a big tournament. Now it was run by, uh, uh, was run, by Helson, I think, for a while, and then it was taken over by Naga. I'm yeah. pretty sure. Yeah, I know Naga took that over. Yeah. I wonder if they still run that. I don't know. They could. I, that's a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. I was talking to Huff, and he was also saying that uh, the Arnold, 
was a really big tournament like this past year. Was it? Yeah, I know for a while there was kind of like lagging. Like there wasn't really people going to the Arnolds very much, but I think it's kind of like on this resurgence now. I'm kind of interested to go up there and check it out and see what it's all about. For a while, it was a huge tournament. It was like the tournament for a while. It was the Helsing Gracie Nationals. That's what it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Did you ever – so they just brought – what was it in 2000 I could be making this I could be making this up like 2007 or something mm-hmm. I think they brought worlds to the US That was the first year they brought it to the US Right before the right. Rio right? right 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 Did you ever go to Rio to compete I competed in the Master Worlds in 2010 that's when I won the Master Worlds Okay what boat were you then Brown boat Brown boat Yeah what was that experience like What was amazing about it was that Vagi competed also mm. So it was the first time I got to see Vagi compete Yeah and, I mean I trained with the guy for 12 years and what's amazing about him, if you look at him, remember he came here in 96, and you got to fast forward 14 years before he had a group of students that could challenge him to get him ready. <laughs> that's pretty intense. That's how, that's like, that's how far ahead he that's was. That's how far ahead he was. He was yeah. from the future. He totally was. <laughs> you guys had to wait. He had to wait for you guys to catch up. That was it. He had to wait 14 years. Golly, man. I just hear the stories of that guy. I mean, yeah. Tap to do with Neon Belly at that, Worlds. That was the tournament he tapped that out. Was the, that was the tournament? One, yeah. Golly, how embarrassed would you feel if you got tapped out by Neon Belly? At, he was crying. At, at Black Belt level. He cried. <laughs> <laughs> I would cry. Yeah, Hopefully it takes us life. all cry. Yeah, hopefully he's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. So how, okay, so you guys were like doing some fights in Illinois and stuff. And yes. like you said, you're like flying to the, so was like Rodrigo just, search like finding these these tournaments in different places for you to go or no we would find them and there was a guy who was putting on shows i don't know how they got hooked up with brian madden but he was running the f sfc over in illinois yeah submission fighting championship so he was like the mma guy and then we would find tournaments to go to i remember todd was always big on finding tournaments so he would he would find them we would go to california whatever and how did you like to pre- oh, so i mean i i would assume like your your training has obviously changed a whole lot like your approach like how was like, like how do you like to prepare for tournaments or c- competition like what's what's the prep like like do you put camps together or for myself or for my students um let's start with for yourself yeah but then now you've transitioned to coaching though we can talk yeah. about your students as well and like your approach there well, I haven't done a camp since 2010. Okay. That was the last time I competed with the, was the Worlds. Okay. But the the camp is obviously, for me, it's got to be going out and training with, you know, brown belts and black belts. Yeah. So that was, that's what I had to do. So back then, you know, I'd go train with Vagi and Todd Fox, John Mankey, and just try to get the, as many tough training partners as I can, get Mike Rogers in there and, and all the guys uh, at the time, Lance Benoist and yeah. some different guys. Lance the Savage. For sure. And then it was just mixing in all the different other uh, workouts to go with it. Yeah. And trying to find that right balance because on days you spar, you know, you can't do as hard of a workout as on the days you don't spar. So right. it's just finding the, putting the time in and getting all your runs in, getting all your lifts in and whatever else. Yeah. Do you roll with lower belts these days? That's basically all I've rolled with, you know, since, I mean, I have blue belts and uh, perp, a couple purples and a, and a one brown, two brown belts. You know, yeah. so it's basically you know a lot of white belts and blue belts. I'm so weary of white belts and blue belts these days. Man, well, I was I was just going today, and it doesn't matter. Like I'll tell anybody, if I'll go with ten black belts, 
and not get hurt. But if you go with one wipe out, you're going to get hurt somehow. He's going to hurt you and him by throwing elbows and knees. And Dude. Just all over the place. They're just, they're spazzes. Yeah. I almost feel like an asshole because I'm, I really watch who I roll with now. Right, right. And like, you know, you're in there, you're training and, as, you know, it's just the nature of the sport. You're going to have more lower belts and higher belts. To, right. You know what I mean? Because right. not everybody makes it. And yes. I mean, people get that blue belt and they just disappear. It's like, That's true. <laughs> they get that target on their back. They don't want to be there anymore. Yeah. You got to put them on like a milk carton because they're missing. I have no idea where they are. Yeah. But because of that, it's like, all right, well, you want to roll with these guys because you don't want to be a dick. Right. Yes. And like, you know, they can still get better. But on that same note, whenever I'm thinking about like me getting better or if I'm thinking about like my own health, it's just like. Is it really benefiting me to actually roll with this guy? Because the people I'm going to compete with are going to be more on my level. Right. And there's just a different intensity and understanding totally. there. Oh, totally. That's that's part of the problem because, like, you know, we were talking about Vagi. You know, it took him 12, 14 years to get a group of guys that could push him. Right. And so I'm at that point now. I'm at that 13-year mark with the school. And now I've got a solid group of guys that I feel like can push me, you know, Maurice and Mike uh, and uh, Lee and Dan. So I've got a few guys that can push me. Yeah. And so, you know, but it takes a while to build up that core group. But you're absolutely right. If I'm not going to go compete with black belts if I'm only training with blue belts. Right. It's just you're not going to be ready. Yeah. And so people ask me. Oh, are you going to compete again? I'm like, no, I, I have no desire to compete anymore. It's just I, I love to train. but And if I were going to compete, I wouldn't have to go train with a bunch of brown belts and black belts. Yeah, I 100% understand that. Like, there's a certain point to where you don't feel like there's the validation isn't there with competing right. anymore. Right. It's like, for what? Like, I've already, I've already done it. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not really proving yourself anymore. Right. And... It, it really is a different level of intensity, like, in a competition. For versus, sure. Oh, versus yeah. In, like, I love, I absolutely love training. And you right. can come in here, and we can train balls to the wall super hard. We're still having fun. Exactly. And the yeah. intensity is still a little bit yes. different. It's it more is. relaxed. It is. Like, we're not in there, like, constantly right. tense. Right, right, You know what I mean? It's it, different. It'd be like if we came in here cold, and we just went as hard as we fucking could. Right. Cold. For no, right. For no reason. Right. Like, it just leads to injury. For sure. And exhaustion. And it's just like... For sure. It's just a whole different intensity. Totally different. Yeah. So what what was like that final, like when did you realize, all right, I don't really want to compete anymore. Like there's just no joy in it. I just want to train and teach. I think after I got the my black belt in 2010, I feel like that was my goal. I wasn't that, I'd still, I enjoy competing, but there wasn't, you know, for me there wasn't, um, like you say, anything left for me to prove. It's not... It's not that I don't enjoy competing. I do, but my focus is my school. And yeah. if my focus is my school, like I said, I'm training with white belts and blue belts. I can't really be ready to go compete with black belts. Yeah. And that's it's just the bottom line. If I had a team full of black belts, be different. Maybe I could say, oh well, you know, I'm training with these guys and add them every day, and so I know I'm ready. But if you're just training with blue belts, purples, and a couple browns, like maybe I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. When you're just smashing everybody, it's yeah. like yeah, you're not really as False sharp. False sense of confidence. Yeah, it's just yeah, you're not as sharp. Yeah. Was that a was that a, a difficult transition for you, like mentally to go from competitor to coach, or was that? I don't think so because I had my school since 2006 when I was a purple belt. Okay. So I, that's when I started the school. So I'd been doing you know, competing and coaching for a few years until I 
got my black belt. That was my goal. That's kind of why I, I came back because I'd taken 2001, 2005 basically off. I wasn't training really. Then I came back with the goal in mind that, hey, I want to get my black belt. And if I don't, I'm going to be upset for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I just wanted to come back and get my black belt. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because cause there, I understand the idea of train without expectation, yes. right? I mean, just putting the work getting better. But also on that same note, like there's that goal. Like the, I personally got into jujitsu with the intention of getting my black belt. For sure. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like you're still striving towards that. And like yes. I think that's okay. For sure. Yeah, I think that's a great goal. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with that goal. No, that's that's what we want. Yeah. So, But like that transition from like competitor to coach, that can be hard for some people. Definitely. Well, you, you're absolutely right because getting in – that uh, attention from competing is kind of addicting. Yeah. Like if you get on this big stage and a, everyone sees how good you are, whatever else. And it's a different mentality just to come into the school every day and just to train to train. Right. Rather than I'm going to train just to, so everyone can see how good I am. It's just, it's different. And so people get into that mindset of they're only training to, you know, be on that stage to, to show everyone how good they are. And then when it comes time just to train, for fun they don't they don't enjoy it as much right there's no limelight there yeah there's no limelight and right. if you're coaching it's not about you anymore that's right it's someone else's success that's right and you also see a number of guys and it doesn't matter what the sport is um especially like it's it you have to be selfish yes you know and right. it's all about you it's all about you and then now you're making it about somebody else right but then also you have to figure out what motivates and also what works for other people. Right. Like, how do they learn? Like, what's going to improve them? Because yes. you got the system down for yourself. Yes. But now you have to do it for other people. And not everybody likes the same type of motivation. They yeah. You get motivated by the same thing. So you yeah. have to figure out what, why are they, why are they here? Yeah. Why, what is their goal? Try to, you know, use their underlying motivation to get them going. Yeah. Or how do they even learn? Like, they might learn differently. Correct. So... Like, how do you like to teach and like, what, like, what's your, like, what's your, like, uh, philosophy on, on coaching or, you know what I mean? That's sure. such a vague question. It, I feel like. I don't think, I don't, I don't think of my personal philosophy. I just take the way I was taught and tried to give that to my students. So the way that Vagi taught us was a very basic approach and the highest percentage positions, you know, you would, you want to teach in the positions you're going to be in 95% of the time. Yeah. So you focus on those positions that you're in the most time. What are and, those? Well, it's just the basic, you know, guard, half guard, standing, you know, defense, and, uh, you know, um, side mount, back mount. You know, just yeah. the basic positions. Yeah. You want to keep coming back to those basic positions. There are the fringe positions that we work on, but they can't be 90% of your time. It's got to be 90 95% of your time in those basic positions. And everyone's going to develop their unique style and they'll have this tangent thing that they do, but that can't be the focus of the whole team. Right. It might not work. When we talk about teaching jujitsu, you, now you think about, well, why are you teaching jujitsu? Are you teaching for sport or did people originally come to jujitsu for self-defense? So it's got to be something that translates to self-defense. If you're teaching moves that only translate to sport, you're losing the essence of what jiu-jitsu originally was. Right. So you have to keep the balance. We have to teach things that are relevant for sport because guys go compete in sport tournaments. Yeah. But you can't 
just focus on things that are in sport tournaments because now maybe you don't have them prepared for an actual fight. Right. So you got to yeah. strike a balance. Yeah, there's definitely a balance there because, like you said, I mean, if you're in sport and you're going inverted the whole time. And Is that really relevant in a street fight? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> absolutely no. not. No, but it's fun and it's sports stuff, so we'll teach it, but it's not going to be 90% of our time. Right, right. And, I mean – the, the the funny thing is though like that can work in a fight like we're kind of seeing it more and sure. more with like Ryan Hall and sure some, but that's one guy yeah those are the outliers yeah for sure for sure yeah so it's just like you got to keep that in mind yeah yeah for sure that you got to keep it in mind I like um I like Rice House's approach where he's always like don't let somebody touch your face because he's always he's always like talking in reference like if somebody has a knife and like they're trying to stab yeah, you <laughs> I'm like okay that's a little intense yeah. a little intense Matt but yeah. Um, it works. I mean, if you're it's in the street, true. I mean, yeah. that's what it was about. Like you're that's trying right. to defend yourself in the street. Somebody's trying to grab your eyes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so can you talk about the importance of drilling? I mean, it's, it's critical to any of the disciplines you yeah. have to drill. I mean, I mean, so many guys want to come in and they just want to just roll. Right. I mean, we all, that's we, right. we get bit by that rolling bug. That's right. And so like someone will ask me a question. Okay. Well, um, how do I get out of this position? And I'll show them. And they'll do it once. They'll do it the second time. Okay. I said, okay, what? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I got it. I got it. You, you got it. <laughs> I'm like, you got 9,998 more. Then you got it, right? <laughs> Remember the old 10,000 number? Yeah, dude. It's so, that 10,000 hours. Yeah, 10, so 10,000 10, reps. reps. And yeah. that's that's a real number. So For real. For a while, we were doing, uh, we had a class that was just drill. So it, I pick a move, you pick a move. So I do my I do my move um you know, uh, 10 times, you do move, you move 10 times. So we get to a hundred. Yeah. And then by the end of that, we're probably at 40 minutes or an hour, depending on what move it is. Yeah. So you do that move 10 days in a row and then you get a thousand reps. Yeah. You know, it's a good way to go, man. But guys don't typically like it. No, it's boring. Yeah. It's boring. But guess what? The good guys will make themselves do that. Yeah, man. It's the basics. Like it's it's not sexy. No, like, (laughs) no, that's why people, they'll get into jujitsu and then they're like, well, this is a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. So yeah. I'm going to go over to this discipline where it's more flashy. Well, you want to talk about being humble, dude. Yeah. I mean, so many people have this false sense of confidence. In That's their right. Abilities. That's right. You know, they think- well, it's because you look at the arts that never spar. Yeah. If you don't spar, you never realize what you're doing or what you're doing wrong or how vulnerable you are. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's like, again, like getting those reps in, like taking that time over and over and like building that muscle memory. Right. And like, I've realized that like time and belt, there really is something to that because the more you're able to like look at a problem and I look at jujitsu as like this ever evolving, like puzzle and problem, you just see new things and new opportunities. And as you progress, like there's these very little minute like shifts and, um, and like uh and like weight or something and yeah, i mean definitely. And you don't feel that when you're younger right but then like all of a sudden like you'll see this angle or you'll right. see this very little opening or you'll all the time f- you'll feel this little shift time. you know what i mean it's just every like, day and and that's what keeps me coming back is every day i'm working on something new for me yeah and we'll never add all the pieces to our game but i'm always looking at something new for my game yeah yeah, I've really realized that, really realized, <laughs> that uh, sometimes, like, I'll be doing something, like, you think I'm attacking this side, but really I'm just bringing you back to this side so I can do something over here. It's like, For sure. you gotta, it's like this push and pull, this give and take. It's both sides of the coin that you're always kind of playing with. Just had that conversation at our class at 1130, a guy who lost one match at Fuji, and I said, you lost this position because you became one-dimensional, 
you know, I said, when I'm attacking you, I always have two different directions I can go. Yeah. And that's what's confusing. And I said, when you became one dimensional, this guy knew it and he went the other way. Yeah. And so it's hard, like you say, to keep that in mind that there's always got to be this flip side to the move. Right. Or else you're just going to be one dimensional. Yeah. Cause you want to get to this point to where it doesn't matter which way you go, you're still wrong. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. You, you, I'm attacking a triangle and a yes. bar. Yeah. It's hard to, keep out of both now yeah like, it's almost impossible yeah you're done right that's what black belts do right exactly yeah well i'm not a black belt but you're getting there i know <laughs> you're very close yeah i'm trying to think about it yeah. it's a journey dude yeah it's a hell sure. of a journey for sure how long did it take you to get your black belt 12 years 12 years mm-hmm. okay and then there were there even then there's like a four-year gap in there 2001 to 2005 i basically uh yet took a hiatus yeah why, yeah. why was that? Just working on other things. Just you know, working? Just, yeah, just working on other stuff at the time. Life gets in the way. That's right. Yeah, man. Um, I was talking to Rigo and he was always he was saying that uh, when people are talking about, like, you know, how long they've been training, he's like, all right, you've been training for this long, but how long were you really training? That's right. <laughs> You're right. That's for sure. Because somebody would be like, yeah, dude, I've been training for 15 years. Like, but like have you really? Yeah. You it's took like, that time off where you wouldn't see you for 10. Yeah, they, there's a break here and a break there. Yeah. It's like, really, it's like it's like seven, really. It's like seven years. <laughs> <laughs> that matters, though. It does. Yeah, man. So what is your position that you prefer? Like, are you like for a guard? Yeah, are you like a guard guy or um, are you like half guard or like... I, I, I you'd prefer to be on top. I, it just depends. I, I guess I was, I started out like strictly top game player. Yeah. I had, I didn't have a guard from that wrestling background, from that it's, wrestling background. Comfortable. Right. And so I would win all my matches at blue belt and up until I got purple just from the top game. So that in three years I had my purple belt. Oh, wow. Yeah. And in the, the tournament to get my purple belt, I beat two black belts and Hermes Franca in that tournament. Oh, it was a no And that was as a blue belt. Yeah. And so I got, I really gave my purple belt and, but I was strictly a top game player. Yeah. And so it took me from 2001 to 2010. Rodrigo's like, you got to figure out the guard. <laughs> like, All right. I got to figure out the guard. Uh, I guess but I that's don't... what's great about Rodrigo is he wouldn't promote me unless I had a guard. So yeah. that's kudos to him, man, for saying, Hey, you suck in the guard. Yeah. So now I feel like my guard's very good. Because he made me develop it. Right. He's like, you know, figure out the guard. So I took four years off. All right, fine. <laughs> See you in four years. <laughs> that's hard for a wrestler, though. I mean, that, it is. That's it goes against every natural instinct is to be on your back. Definitely. Yeah. Have you found that jujitsu uh, kind of made you like? For me, anyway, I've I've found that jujitsu almost makes my wrestling lazy. Because I'm not afraid to be on my back anymore. Oh, definitely. You know? Definitely. It can make your wrestling kind of lazy. Yeah. So, like, you got to, like, really strike that balance. and like That's right. I, that was a big insight I had after respect. I'm just like, man, my my wrestling's gotten fucking lazy. You had a tough match. I heard about you. He was a match. tough dude. Yeah, yeah. man. I um I went for an, uh, an, 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 yeah, an anaconda choke. And, yeah. like, I, I kind of pulled guard there and uh, ended up burning out my arms yeah. and like he passed my guard like there in like the last minute or so okay. I think Okay. and um, I was talking to Kyle Watson afterwards he's like dude he's like that guy you have to literally put him the fuck out he's like, like yeah, he, he wasn't gonna you have to kill him yeah he won't tap that's yeah. what he said he's like yeah he won't I was like oh well that's good to know yeah, but now I know I thought I had that pretty tight you right. know what I mean but in that though I realized there was a point to where he shot in he took yes. me down Yes. I, I scrambled back up to my feet real quick he didn't yes. get the takedown um, but I was just like, I was like, man, like, what the fuck's up with you, man? Like you didn't sprawl. You didn't, right. I'm like, this, your wrestling has just gotten right. weak, dude. That's a good point because if we practice, you know, you're going to compete the way you practice. Yeah. So 
you know, like when we have some of our sparring classes, you know, you have to say, hey, you're going to we're going to play for takedown after we get after somebody gets the takedown, then we can play jujitsu. Yeah. But you you got to play for a takedown. That's a good way, I think, to practice sometimes. Yeah, I think it's probably the better way to practice because it's harder yeah it's harder so many times we come in there we sit on our butts we slap yeah. fists and we go and but that's not realistic not realistic at all right. man it's like you need to be starting on the feet and work if, if you're intending to compete 100 percent for sure you know what I mean? like you have to get those takedowns you have in. to because if you don't then i mean you're just going to get lazy you have to either get the takedown or know how to counter a yeah takedown. yeah definitely yeah, that was a big insight that I had after that. I, was, right. I feel very disappointed. I was like, man, like I know I'm a better wrestler than this, right. but I'm just like wrestling. Haven't practiced it. Yeah. I feel like wrestling is what lost me that match. Okay. If like if I'm if I'm just like rationally thinking about it, and there's some other things there for sure, absolutely. Yeah. But if I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, man, like I'm a pretty good wrestler. I feel like if you get that takedown and you have confidence in your takedown, you really push that, then you can set the tone, and then you start up, and like you know, and then then the jujitsu jiu-jitsu can take into play but yes. it's like we were probably on our feet for the first three minutes how long was the match six minutes six minutes yeah that's tough now you don't have that much jiu-jitsu you know with three minutes left no and you're burning out your arms like you said in anaconda so yeah yeah that's hard so you just gotta be stronger with the wrestling dude something yeah. yeah um how has your philosophy changed as far as um no, I don't know how I wanted to ask that. I, I, <laughs> go, ahead, go ahead. No, uh, well, I didn't really know where I wanted to go with that because, like, I'm, I guess I'm just trying to like get in your head on like how you see jujitsu or like whenever you're like you're coaching, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, I guess the best example was like like Kirk is like, oh, my philosophy on jujitsu is like it's always better to start up by two. Like, how do you feel about like pulling guard or you know like is it important to get that that early two? Do you feel like or like I just think it totally that? depends on the player. Yeah. It totally depends on the player. I, Back in the day, like I said, I never would pull guard, but now I feel very comfortable in my guard. Yeah. So it, I think it just depends. On, there are some guys who don't play takedowns, so you can't say, well, this guy's going to get two. I mean, if I have a guy I know can't play for takedowns, yeah. I can't say, well, play for the takedown. you gotta play, You got you to gotta find out where your, your yeah. student is good or yeah. where, where their weaknesses are. You can't. You got to play to their strength. Well, I feel more dangerous in my guard these days, but it's almost like frowned upon to pull guard. Like where people joke about so? it. people joke about all oh, yeah. guard puller. Like yeah, I well, I think it can be to people that don't play jujitsu, but there are some people in jujitsu who are strictly guard players. I don't think there's anything wrong with it because that gets back to what we're talking about. It's sport jujitsu, so you got to play to the rules. Yeah. So it's not like it's an MMA fight or whatever. So. You know, if you pull guard, you're not getting penalized in the yeah. actual point process. So you can be dangerous from your back. I mean, oh, of course, you have so many options. Of course, there. yeah. I I think I'm split between whether I pull guard or go for takedown. I don't feel like I said like I have to play one way or the other. Whereas I, when I started, I would never pull guard. Yeah, it just wasn't even in my my arsenal. Yeah. So now I, it's different, but. If you have a student, I think, of course, you just have to know where your student is, you know, where their weaknesses are, and you can't you can't play to their weakness. Yeah. How do you feel about um, like heel hooks and wrist locks and stuff like that? Well, I love the wrist locks. I don't I don't typically go for heel hooks with my guys because they're white and blue belts. Right. But like I'll have the philosophy like if we go, f I tell the guys if we're doing no gi and we go for heel hooks, it's kind of the catch and release. Yeah. We're gonna crank it. We just were working on foot locks last night. And we're talking about how not to roll out of a footlock because we, you know, about once a year we'll lose a guy who's in a footlock and rolls out, and then he's out for six months. I mean, it's like a straight ankle. Straight ankle. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, straight no, ankle good. lock. And uh, he'll roll out, and we have a guy who's out right now with a meniscus tear, 
So we just go over, hey, this is how you defend and how you don't defend. And yeah. I'm always really weary because, I mean, because you can do a straight ankle from a white belt up. Yes. And uh, and then, like, you can, in nogi, once you get the purple, you start adding in heel hooks and different things. But it's like, if you don't know how to defend it, like, not knowing how to defend it will actually end up hurting you because, like you said, you'll roll out the wrong way or something right. and tear up your own knee. Right. So I'm always, like, a little conflicted because, on the one hand, the sooner you're exposed to it and you're able to learn how to defend it, right. the better you are. But right. on the other hand, it's just like you don't have a you're a spaz right in the beginning. When we when we teach in here, or when I teach, I will let all the guys go for the the foot lock, toe hold, knee bar from day one. Yeah, because those aren't the twisting type of moves. Yeah, those are safer. Those are safer. But if we do, you know, if we have a nogi situation, and I'll just tell the guys, you know, don't do this heel hook until I've taught it to you and then if you know it you're gonna catch it but not crank it on the guys yeah right? so it's that's kind of the safe way to play yeah I think a, a lot of those younger guys they're still very ego driven and it's all about that win for sure it's all about that validation I got that that tap really means something well to especially them. if they're going against an upper belt yeah big target on your back dude they want it they so got to dude and it's just like if I end up forcing something or cranking yeah. something or it might be a stripe on the belt <laughs> it might be that's the, <laughs> that's the truth but I've just I've just realized that well one it's safer but two this is the best way like it just position before submission mm -hmm. there's so much truth to that like if i can just lock down this position and hold it i know without a doubt i have this fucking submission you're not right. going anywhere right like even whether i apply the submission or not like yes. i know i just i just own this position i locked yes. you down right and that's kind of where i started with leg locks i'm like all right well let me work on like my entries and like holding this position you right. know what i mean and then right. it's like all right well here's a heel hook here i don't actually have to like do anything like i can just sure. like just put my arm right here and like i know it's there right it's just like having that understanding and that confidence right a lot of guys don't have that whenever they start out i think when we started jujitsu in the 90s there wasn't a focus on foot locks at all so you know we had the straight ankle lock and we had the knee bar but there was no there wasn't a in in international brazilian jiu-jitsu they don't focus on the heel hook aspect so there's a there's a whole contingent now that, you know, just focusing on leg locks, and I think it's great. Yeah, it's, it's definitely opened up the whole jujitsu um, like, paradigm. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah. It was one of the biggest eye-openers. I went to uh, Austin, Texas to uh, – you know, are you familiar with the company On It? I've heard of them. Okay, so they do um, – like, they have, like, supplements, mm -hmm. and they have, like, a gym and stuff down there, and they have a 10th planet there. And they do these um, almost like respect, like a pro jujitsu. Right. It's an invite-only tournament. Right. And I got invited down to it, and it was a nogi thing. And I went against this young kid, man. He was 17 blue belt, like crushing black belts. He was in the finals against um, – I can't think of the guy's name, but he's a 10th player in Oceanside, brown belt, about to get his black belt under Gio Martinez. And the kid was beating this guy like the whole time, but the brown belt was just like crafty. Mm -hmm. And uh, just going to that invitational, this like completely opened up my eyes to. Did like, you compete? I did compete. Okay. I lost to that kid, dude. This guy. Dude, I know, man. I um, I wish I would have took it more serious. I didn't understand how like yes. big it was because so this was on a. Uh, I think the tournament was on a. It was on a Friday. Right. I didn't fly down until Friday morning. 
Like I woke, I probably only had like four hours of sleep. Like right, right. woke up, flowed out, flew down there, competed. Yes. Should have flew down the night before. Right, got some more rest. Got some actual rest. And like, yeah. cause I didn't realize, I was like, oh, this kid's a blue belt. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he was already, he already won uh, Nogi Worlds, uh, his weight division and absolute that year. Mm-hmm. I think he took third at uh, at Gi Worlds. And mm-hmm. then I think he's already, he won it. He took, he won nogi last year too right and i don't know if he placed in gear and his name is will attack he's a purple belt now you don't need to explain yourself no <laughs> dude <laughs> let me tell you a quick story this because kid is... <laughs> i'll tell you about the time i watched to a 16 year old <laughs> make me feel better please in 1999 um myself todd fox how goodman we went down to oklahoma there's a tournament down there <laughs> there's a 16 year old kid beating up everything i'm just got my blue belt yeah and we're going, going to impress everyone with our new blue belts. And so Hal gets tapped out by this guy, this kid. Then I go against this kid, and I lose on points. And then uh, Todd Fox goes up against this kid and foot locks him, but breaks his foot off. This guy, Rafael Lovato. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Only one of the greatest of all time? I think the greatest American Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitor ever. Uh, he's won second. Every- to win the Black Belt Worlds. Yeah, he's won every major tournament in the yeah. world. So I remember being so depressed. <laughs> well, that's how I feel like this kid's going to be, dude. Well, that's, that's what I said. Don't feel bad. Oh, I don't feel bad. Okay. It was a huge eye-opener. <laughs> it, well, it just it was one of those things to where like I, I hated how I didn't take that kid serious, and right. now I understand like right. there's levels to this shit. Like yeah, they're man. really like this kid's been training since he's eight years old. Yeah, he's a professional. He could be player. like one of those guys. He will. He's already competed in ADCC. Well, that's what I mean. Like he's legit. He's yeah. Well, obviously he beat you. <laughs> he's like legit. You're no joke. But it was just like man, like it just it just it was an eye opener. I'm like, oh yeah, dude. Like the whole world, like the leg locks. You yeah. know what I mean, like it, yeah. there's just so much to this, which I almost feel like here in the Midwest, at least here in St. Louis, like we neglect that leg lock game. Well, we yeah, I think yeah. Uh, it's. I think it's like anything. It just comes down to the amount of time you put into it. If you know, if this kid's training four or five hours a day, even if we're training two hours a day, we're gonna get behind. It just comes down to the amount of time. I, I tell everybody. I said, you. I watch whoever's in my practice room over six months, and whoever I see the most, man, they always make the most gain. It could be a skinny little kid, and that's what it is right now. It's this skinnier guy. His name's Max, and he's he's just putting it on everybody now man and and it doesn't matter i just say whoever's putting in the most time is gonna start beating people yeah and that's just it it's just, it's just a simple math problem it's just that's you know once i stopped fighting and i focused only on jujitsu like right. everything changed because I, I was i'm yeah. training like two sometimes three times a day once you're doing all the different disciplines it's just so much stuff to get better at yeah yeah you're cutting weight and it's just yeah and when you can just focus on one thing right that changes everything changes man so you faced some amazing competition i mean you're talking Definitely. about facing yeah. the young Rafael Lovato. Lovato Hermes Franca I mean so I heard that you faced uh Dars oh yeah I fought Dars in the final of uh Pan Am Blue Belts 72 man field so uh me and Fox were at the same weight at Pan Am's and so you know, they split up the teammate if you're in the same bracket. Yeah. What so year was this? I'm sorry. Did you just say? 2000. 2000, okay. So Fox is on one side. I'm on the other side of the bracket. So Fox catches Dars early in the tournament. He loses by advantage to Dars. Oh, wow. And I caught Dars in the final. So I caught him in the final and lost uh, on a butterfly sweep. Oh, wow. And at the time, you're like, oh, man, this this guy, I don't know who he is. And you know he, who he was. No idea. Nobody knows who he was. But, he, you know, he was turned out to be 
a great guy, Renzo. Yeah, and 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 for the folks listening, like that's who the the Darce. submission was named after, right? The Darce choke. The Darce choke. Well, do you remember Henzo's? Were you at Henzo's seminar when he came in? I wasn't because he showed Darce the choke, obviously. Okay. And so he said, to, uh, "This is his words." He said, "I don't need a move named after me." You do. So he said, you know, let it be called the Darce Choke. So, like Darcy, he had finished a bunch of people apparently at some tournament, and they were calling it the Darce Choke. Yeah. So Meanwhile, he didn't, make, he didn't make it up. No. <laughs> None of us makes this. We all copy somebody, right? Yeah. So being deeper into jiu-jitsu and like that I am now, I've, I've definitely beat myself up for missing a couple of the – I mean, I didn't – when um, – uh fuck when Henzo came in I didn't oh, yeah. I didn't go to that. Yeah. When I, uh Hickson. when Hickson came in, I didn't go to that. Clark's coming in two weeks, he'll be here. I know I saw that. Come on down. I know I need to. You should. Fuck. Are we thinking podcast with him? I, I don't see why not. Maybe we, have, I mean you can ask him about his hair products and all that stuff. <laughs> Dude, just we have so many savages like like available to us and I just oh, yeah. I, I didn't take advantage of it. For sure. Um, I think it was back in the, and this is like more on the striking side of things. Um, at Rodrigo's last place out in Fenton, mm-hmm. we had, um, why am I blanking out on his name? Uh, he was a, a solo. No, it was a, it was a striker. Um, the guy ended up passing away. He passed away. Yeah. I forgot his name. Uh, yeah, I can't think of his name, but yeah. one of the greatest like Thai boxers right. in the world. Right. And I think he was like Dutch or something. And I was right. like, man, I didn't take advantage. I remember that. I remember seeing that. Damn. Rick, what's his name? Uh, they call him Forget. Razor. Forget. Uh, I wasn't there. That's okay. Yeah. But we just have so many cool people like associated through Rodrigo. Definitely. That we get in. Oh, for sure. And it's amazing. For sure. I saw, um... JW is about to bring in Hodger this weekend. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's like, man, dude, like these legends. That's the beauty of jujitsu. Yeah. These legends are so accessible. Yeah. Ramon Deckers. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Razor Ramon. Ramon. That's so cool. My man. Um, yeah, dude. Like you go to you go to Worlds, Master Worlds, and you got everybody there. That's right. And they're just mingling and they're super chill and they'll take a picture with you. I don't know if there's any other like culture that's like that like you couldn't go to a basketball game and right. just have like michael jordan sitting there yeah. and, and it's, it, that's talk. what's cool about jiu-jitsu you still got that aspect of everybody's still you know tight-knit and uh pretty pretty close group of people yeah you ever think about like getting getting back in there and hitting master worlds i've thought about it but again to do that i would have to break away from the school a bit and start training with you guys coming out to St. Charles, which I plan on doing, but I don't really have, again, I just don't have the desire. No, I get it. Yeah. I don't either. Yeah. You know, with, I I have my son now, and so I have him, you know, half the time, and so it's hard to always find time to train. But I, I love to, like I said, I love to still come in every day and spar. Yeah. But uh, as far as, like, getting out and competing, it's just not, it yeah. just doesn't, you know, I don't Is have that a metric you use for your students, whether or not they're competing? Uh, I do like as far as promotions go. So right. Sometimes I'll tell them, hey, you know, you got to get out and compete if you want to get that next belt because you know that's what we've always done in the right. hockey system. You go out and prove yourself. Yeah. So that's a great way to test your students. So what is it? So what do you look for? You know, in your students as they're progressing, like what what you know what are the things you're looking at? I'm looking at if if they're getting submissions against other students in the sparring, that's the number one metric. And that, that's basically it. That's all it was ever about when Vagi taught us. It's about the submission. So if you're submitting guys that are your weight or higher, that's the best metric to use. 
And then you might be able to get a couple of stripes just doing that. And then after that, you know, hey, it might be time to compete. Yeah. Because that's what we, most of the guys will compete at the higher belts. Yeah, because you can only do so much in the practice room. That's right. At a certain point, it's like a big fish in a small pond. Not only that, but you know as well as I do that you get used to the training partner. Yes. So you might just, it's, you don't get tricked as much because you know your style. Yeah, you know the style. You know the style. You know their flow. Yeah, you're not, you're not nervous. Yeah. That's the big thing, you know, when you talk about going to competition, you you get nervous. Yeah, that plays and a big role. Of course, and you don't get that same nervousness when you're just sparring. We're having fun, we're smiling, which is the way I love to train, but you're not, you know, you don't act that way when you compete, right. really compete, and you want to win. Right. People that really want to win, they don't, they're not out there all smiling. Some guys, it's not me. Yeah. They're not out there like this joking around and smiling. I, I try to stay pretty calm. For sure, I would love to. <clears throat> I would, you know, I, I, but I don't know, uh, I guess... Just depends. Just depends how calm you are. I guess yeah. how prepared you feel. But no matter what, you can never repu- like replicate that same sort of ease as right. in the practice room. That's right. That's why you have to you have to go compete. Or you, you know that would be the best test. Would be what to walk around the street till somebody attacks you. Yeah. That would be the best test. <laughs> the second best test would be what fighting MMA. Yeah, and then maybe doing jujitsu tournament. So you know the, there's levels that you. You know, the practice room would be number four then. Yeah. So that's true. That's true. I found it it's 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 a little hard on the ego to like stop competing to a degree. It's like yeah. I don't feel like I have anything to prove. Yeah. No, that's what we talked about. It it's hard for people to make that transition because yeah. why am I now putting in all this work? Yeah. It's hard to put in all this work where it's there's not gonna be this reward. And the reward at the end of the competition is, hey, everybody gets to see how good I am. Well, if I come compete with you in the practice, I say, man, Adam's tough. But that's just me. If we go out and we do it in a tournament, man, everybody knows you're tough now. And that's the difference. And it's hard to get that same level of intensity in your training when you're just doing it so all your friends know how tough you are. Well, they probably know already. Right. So it's hard to get that same intensity to come in and train. And that's that's the challenge. Yeah. That is the challenge. Uh, like, cause when it does feel good when everybody sees that, you, and then like, so whenever I lost after respect, like, it's like, man, do people think like, I'm not tough now? Like, fuck dude. Right. Like, well, oh. that's the thing. Nobody, <laughs> but see, here's the thing is that nobody that really matters thinks any differently of you. Right. Like all the guys on the team, we know how tough you are, but like say people that are outside the team, do they think something less of me, this, that, or the other, then that gets in your head. It does, dude. Yeah. It's like, fuck man, you start getting hard on yourself. That's what I mean. It's hard. That's when you compete, you know, as well as I do, even if you, even if you win, there's this drop. Yeah. After the competition, right? Yeah. And so you have that up and down. I almost found like there's no real winning even when in competition for me, because if I win, I'm supposed to win. I don't really get joy out of winning anymore. Well, not only that, but think about when you won that tournament. The day before that tournament, you were the same guy. Yeah. Then when you competed, what changed? Everyone else knew that you were that guy. Right. So it was you getting validated by all these people that changed that next day. It's that external validation. Yeah. And so we have to for. we have to separate our ego. That's hard to do. Yeah. Jiu-Jitsu will help with that. It's an ego killer. It is every day. Dude, I tell people like whenever they're first starting out, and you see it all the time, right? I mean, a, a white belt or even some blue belts, but especially white belts when you're new, you just want to know it all. Right. You like, you feel like you're not getting better. You feel right. like, man, what can I do? Like, you want to know all these moves and you want to just know all these. It's like drinking from a fire hose. Right. It's just like, look, dude, you just need to survive. Survive. Like, that's your job right now. Just survive. Doesn't matter who you are because it, at every level, 
you can be challenged, you know, even as a black belt, you know, I'm going to come in and be challenged by all you guys. And, uh, it, and especially if you're working on something, you know, if you come in, if I come in every day and I'm working on the same thing and I'm the best, my best move, or I'm not getting better and I might smash guys. But if you're coming with an idea, I'm going to work on this technique, this, that, well, it's, you're working on it because it's not your best move. Yeah. And because it's not your best move, people are probably going to beat you. And they say, hey, I, I beat Brian today, this, that, and the other. Well, or maybe he was working on something he'd never done before. Right. You know, so you got to put yourself in those situations where you can lose. Yeah. So it rounds out your game. And then, you know, like getting back to philosophy of how you would learn or how you would teach, you have a series of moves and you might rank your moves from one to ten. Well, when you are in respect, you only use moves that are like nines and tens. Those are the moves that you get all the time in practice. You might have moves that are one, two, three, four, five, but you're not bringing them into the tournament. Yeah. You're going to keep working on those moves till they get to a six, a seven, an eight, and then that's an eight and a half, and nine. Now it works 90% of the time. I'm going to bring it into the competition. Right. Till then, it's still just a practice move. Right. Yeah, and sometimes with that, I found that that intensity will like shut off your creativity sometimes. Yes. So that's why there's a difference between training for competition and training for just learning. Yeah. Because if I'm training for a competition, I'm taking all the moves that are 8, 9, and 10, and I'm making them better. Right. And if I'm not in competition mode, I'm working on 3s and 4s and 5s and 7s and trying to bring them up Yeah. to be 8, 9s, and 10s. Right. Because in the competition, so, I mean, you can lose just by having your guard passed. Right. It's like, oh, fuck, dude, I can't believe I let that guy pass yeah. my guard. Or but, why did I pull guard? Right. <laughs> But in a, in a comp, if you're in practice and someone passes your guard, oh, okay, whatever. Let's restart. Yeah, no big Good deal. Job. Slap hands. I'll, work, I'll keep working from here. For sure. But as soon as they throw up that three, it's just like it just changed. over. Just changed just everything. Just camp out for two minutes. It's like, oh, fuck, Did man. That just happen? Guard pass, really? That's what happened. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you've really made – so have you always been very business mindset? Like, is that – I mean, because obviously you made the transition to coaching. You've opened up this gym. You had the first location, North Broadway. Yes, yes. On North Broadway. On right? North Broadway. I guess I have uh, – yeah, I, I came from engineering background. Okay. And had my – worked on my MBA and then got out of engineering and started doing personal training in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. So I had – yeah, I had some – some experience in like the business world. So yeah, definitely. I think it helps that degree paying off for you these days. <laughs> I don't, I don't really mix too many chemicals. That yeah. And so no, I don't use that. degree. Yeah. I got my master's in healthcare administration and I'm just like, oh, it's, a, it's an expensive piece of paper. It really is. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever use it, Yeah. but it does help to kind of be in that business world. And like, I mean, it's helped you grow this amazing gym. Yes. Yeah, definitely. You ever think about, the name you chose being that you're not on North Broadway. <laughs> well, when I moved out of North Broadway, I'm like, well, if there's a Creve Corps camera in Edwardsville, I can have a North Broadway jiu-jitsu on Vandeventer. So I didn't really. That is true. There is a Creve Corps camera. Like, I think there's even one in Baldwin. See? It's like they're not in Creve Corps. I feel like I'm okay then. That is true. That is true. Did, did you did, did it ever cross your mind to um, like brand your jiu-jitsu more like relevant to you or something that you could actually grow into like a system you know oh, what i'm saying not exactly what do you mean like brand as far as um like uh uh like a system like where you could grow into a multiple school like affiliates and schools and yeah no i'm perfectly happy having this school and just growing it i don't think of it as like i'm gonna have this series of schools like okay i don't think of it that way how do you feel like how do you feel though as like your students progress and get 
you know, further into their jujitsu journeys. And I feel like inevitably over the course of time, you're going to have at least one, maybe two that are going to be like, Hey Brian, I really want to go like open up a school. Yeah. So, and we've had that discussion with Rodrigo and basically, you know, as long as that guy's not next door to me and there's yeah. a certain distance between us, it could definitely work. Yeah. Well, do you, would you, you keep, do they just come under the banner and then they're just like, it could happen that way. Like Kirk or yeah. anybody. Yeah. So it could happen that way. It's, it's definitely feasible. Yeah. If somebody gets to that level and they want to open a school, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It just has to, it can't infringe on other people in the same system. Yeah. So it could definitely be a possibility. Well, you see some of these guys, I mean, they got like 60 affiliates. Like, yeah, just crazy. Yeah. And, well, even like like Heath up in Pedago, like yes. he's really expanding his system up yes. there. And you know, yes. he has Chad Hawkins who's opening up several schools under the same banner. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's like, was it Pedago Fighting Systems? Yes. Right? And yes. It's created like this system name. Right. You know what I mean? As opposed to like just this one school. You know what I mean? Right. So no, like, he's done amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool to see like the growth for sure. Yeah. And like, for I mean, sure. we have, I mean, like I said, with like, with Kirk as an example, I mean, we got so many good guys who are just stuck around. Right. You know what I mean? It almost like comes in waves. Like it's like classes. It's like yes. you guys are like the first class yes. and then there's like, there's not too many of them, but then rice house and, and remember John Thomas and they were yeah, there John the Thomas. Class. Yep. Yeah. They were there. John's at a school over in Sweden now. Yeah. He's killing it, man. Totally. I think he left after winning Purple Belt Worlds, right? I think 2007. It was right. It was never yeah, I was starting. 2007, I think he left. Yeah. When did you start? Um, I started in 2009. Okay. The beginning of 2009. Yeah, that's about the time he left, I think, 2008, 2009. Yeah, yeah. because I think I remember I went out to Rodrigo's on Fenton. Mm-hmm. in Fenton and there was a blue belt test this is very, my very first exposure to a blue belt test yes and uh, I was just a young wrestler white belt you know I had good hips and stuff like that and I think he had just won worlds at purple belt right and he was like coming back to kind of visit and just right. say his final goodbyes and then right. he was like dipping out to go on his own journey which right is where he's at now right so i just i i kind of came across him then there was like yeah dude that guy's a savage totally okay yeah he's kind of like the second class yeah but there's not too many like classes i mean what maybe like four maybe of like right i mean there's been a lot of guys that have come and gone was in that kind of that group of guys came around the same time as rice house and john so yeah john mankey uh no john mankey was original he was like i'm sorry yeah i should have mentioned him when i mentioned todd and how and Steve and Mike Rogers, because John was like our little brother. Yeah. Because we were all in our mid to late 20s when we started. Uh-huh. John was like 18. Oh. And he was still a giant 18-year-old, but we would just, you know, thrash him. Probably pretty miserable for him. He was miserable for him, but he t- turned out to be, you know, one of the toughest guys ever. Yeah. So, but, yeah. He's super tough. Oh, my God. He's I, unbelievable. I was sparring with him, like, whenever I was first starting, and I, was, I didn't have, like, any sense of, like, range or distance. Right. And, like, he, like, baited me into, like, coming in really hard and, like, uh, and then, like, he, like, teeped me in my solar plex and just knocked the fucking like wind. eight foot tall. Dude, it hurt so bad. Oh, my God. I was so scared of him for the longest time. You should be. He beat me up, dude. He yeah. beat me up bad. He didn't care either. Dude, he would just tune you up. Didn't care. Just all that pent-up aggression from you guys, for dude. For sure. <laughs> oh, man. That is a real thing. Yeah, it is. That is for sure. That's that ego. <laughs> <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu will kill it, sort of. That's right. Yeah, man. It will. It will for sure. Yeah. For it's, sure. it's not until, like, around Purple Belt that you kind of start leveling out and chilling. 
Yeah, I think you start to get more um, understanding of the whole game and understand that you can't be just that hammer all the time. You got to kind of flow a little bit more. Yeah. Relax and play some jujitsu. Right. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because those young guys, they just want to muscle everything. How do you like to like fix those? Like, is there any like advice you give to those guys who just want to come in there and muscle everything? Because you can only tell somebody to relax so much. Right. Yeah. I have that conversation. I say, hey, you know, try not to use strength. Try to like before we spar. I say, try not to use strength. Try to focus on technique because jujitsu is not about strength. If we wanted to be strong, we'd all go back to the weight room. So I have that same conversation all over the time. and over. Let's go. You want to be strong? Let's go to the weight room, lift some weights. You know, it's not. It's great to be strong and to back up technique with the strength. That's fine. To depend on strength is not jujitsu. No, it'll actually cap your jujitsu. Well, right, because it if you're locked in, frozen, and locked on to somebody, that's what they can use against you, right? Yeah, for sure. I've gone with some guys where, like, they have good technique, but they're crazy strong. Right. And because they're crazy strong, they can kind of like reset certain positions oh, yeah, that definitely. If, if you weren't as strong, maybe you definitely. wouldn't. So because of that, you end up kind of like putting a ceiling on your technique right. because you always fall back on that strength because right. you know you have it. And that's, well, that's a great point because if you have a bigger guy or a strong guy, it's hard for that guy to learn jujitsu because he doesn't have to. Right. You can just sit back and rely on strength. Yeah. So it's, you know, we have like Micah. Micah is our purple belt and he's a giant. Dude, he moves so fast. He's so he has fast. feet like none other. Yeah, and he's a strong dude. Yeah. And it but I'll always tell people like it's been hard for him to learn jujitsu because he doesn't need jujitsu. Right. It puts you down and hold you there. Yeah, he's super strong. Yeah. Yeah. He's fast. And he's then fast for his size. Oh man. He and it's probably some of that judo work that he does. Oh man, yeah, he does great throws. Dude, his footwork is crazy. <laughs> it's very good. We had a real fun role one time, and it was just oh, like yeah. he—he's getting it. He's like, hey, he's like, yeah. he's like playing with me and stuff. He like passed my guard. I'm like, God damn, I didn't realize you're this fast, Micah. You shouldn't be that fast. He's way fast, like a man. Physics anomaly. Yeah, but then, but so on the flip side, if you can like take out your size or your strength, and I think a good example of that is like Kyle Cayley. Oh yeah, man. Four hundred pounds. 400 pounds, but, like, he still, still technical. Dude, and he can roll. I, I have no problem. I have a hard time rolling. I don't like rolling white belts or, or somebody's, like, too big even. I I always feel safe with him. Right. Always. Right. He can be as light as the lightest guy sure. in the room. And it's that's crazy. like like you say, I'll go with 10 black belts and not get hurt. But if you go with one white belt, yeah, you're going to catch an elbow or a knee. <laughs> it's, it's madness. It is. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, man. Mr. Guidry, yeah. it's been an hour, dude. Great job. Dude, it flew by. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you taking this time. This was so fun. Definitely. I'm glad I'm you put uh, it down. I'm going to plan something to where we can get like Rodrigo and some of the you know, some of you. You should get the guys. original crew. That's Just what I'm tell, saying. Tell these old stories, man. Dude, we'll have a round table and uh, awesome. maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll break out some scotch or some whiskey or something and just have a good time. I like it. Yeah. Um, we'll tell a bunch of stories that might not all be true. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. It's like, you know, the fish just keeps getting bigger That's and bigger it. every time That's you tell it. it. I love Rodrigo's stories. They're amazing. All the ones from <laughs> back in Rio and I don't even know if they're true I don't care I don't want to know don't, don't tell me nope just they're just true in my mind in my mind they happened yeah dude so uh, I want to leave the floor to you though tell the folks how um, they can check you out uh, sure. if they want to come train here or yeah. online if you know anything like that so North Broadway Jiu Jitsu in BroadwayJJ.com they can find us online you know we have classes every day and we cater to the beginner students so everybody's welcome right on yeah man alright dude thanks again thank you brother alright everybody till next time hey guys 
Thank you for listening. Again, if you are getting value out of the podcast, do me a favor. Just bring us one friend. That will help immensely. Also, leave us an honest rating and review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go over there and give us a five-star rating and review because that would be honest, right? Um, or, you know, if you don't feel like it's five-star, leave us another star and just let us know how we can improve the show. But if you aren't listening on Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you are listening on, I don't know what you could do on there. If you can like it or share it or comment or whatever the case may be, just interact and engage with us. It really helps the podcast grow and uh, I can't thank you guys enough for that. Uh, as always, thanks to Jumbo Superfoods. Go to jumbocbd.com. Also, head over to imposedwill.com. That's my company. And, uh, you know, it's a mindset, lifestyle brand. We have a full line of apparel over there. You can save 10% off of your entire order over there by using the code OUTSIDE. And then, big, big thank you to convergence media group i couldn't be happier with my partnership with them they help companies from all industries increase their brand awareness online they will help you with content creation and strategy and uh they would just help you grow in an online world and uh man i just i just really enjoy working with them so big thanks to them and uh, that's all i have for you guys man we have some amazing fucking guests coming up huge guests i oh my god just it blows my mind where we're going and the people i'm sitting down with so stay tuned uh we got more great episodes for you along the way and uh i'll see you guys next time love you bye Mwah. <laughs>